Well, first of all, this is a very complex subject, and, and it's one that deserves a seminar. And in the postulant group, this is one of the things that we are studying, because it's a very profound subject, our relationship to sexuality. And I don't want to give a soundbite answer to that. But the truth is, if you study the Jewish tradition as well as the Islamic tradition, you will find that they actually do encourage celibacy up to a certain point in one's life. And one is really not intended to marry until one has gone through the Talmud, for example, and, and reached a state of, of having put sexuality in the correct perspective, which is as a way of serving God. It is a mitzvah. It is a commandment. It is not the unbridled urge of the ego. And once one has gained the ego under control, then sexuality operates. But it functions under an entire set of rules. It is not egoic. There's something called the Shulchan Aruch. I don't know if you're aware of that. But it tells you when you can have sex with your wife and uh, what time of day and what the conditions have to be and what prayers you need to be saying while this is going on. The whole thing has, becomes an act of ritual it is no longer an act of desire. And the same is true in the Islamic tradition. And, uh, and, and it is uh, something that is, is done uh, uh, within the context of a marriage as a divine way of bringing children into the world. It has nothing to do with the, the kind of attitudes toward sexuality that are current today in the world. So if you look at those traditions, uh, they, they are practicing a near celibacy, particularly for rabbis or mullahs or people who have chosen a, uh, a path that is spiritual in nature and they aren't simply giving lip service to their, uh, their tradition. So I don't think that, that the difference is that great. And there are many celibate rabbis. I have met them. And, and there are uh, many uh, sages who have transcended the an interest in that and they will even teach that in the Garden of Eden in the prelapsarian period that there was celibacy in fact and that reproduction actually took place in a different way before the fall and in the, in the same way that they teach that in the Garden of Eden period uh, humans were vegetarians and, and it was only in our fallen state that we began to eat meat uh, and there are many uh, rabbis who are vegetarian. And so the, the actual teaching varies depending on the level of uh, psychological and spiritual development. And if you go to a yeshiva and you, you talk to people at a very high level of spiritual attainment, you will get a very different teaching than the one they give in Sunday school or to the ordinary Jew. So you should keep that in mind, that the, the tradition has a very high uh, spectrum of teachings. And just as in, in the East, not everyone is taught to be celibate. I mean, India has the highest birth rate in the world, you know, and, uh, and, and there are uh, large families there in the same way that there are anywhere else. Uh, it is a teaching that is meant only for those who wish to attain liberation here and now. And to do that, all of your desire has to be focused on God. And to the extent that the desire is focused on other interests, then the psychic energy is dissipated and dispersed 
and the attachments that one has to others on this plane creates anxieties, creates a, a connection of the mind so that the highest mental ecstasies are then not possible any longer because you have too many karmic uh, obligations on this plane. So it's not a question of right or wrong. It's a question of what do you want. And that's true in any tradition. So uh, many people would come to Ramana Maharshi, who is one of our patron sages, and he would tell them to get married. He, he wasn't telling everyone to be celibate, nor do we. Uh, it, it is simply a recognition that it is an option in life. And most people today don't even think of it as a valid option. They think that you're weird or strange uh, because of this attack on spirituality that the modern world is. And people should know that they do not have to uh, engage obsessively in sex, which the society today is teaching with millions of messages, of sexual messages, all the time, every day, in films, TV, everywhere. It's all about that. Products are sold through that, everything. The whole world has been over-sexualized. Little children who are not even pubescent yet are being taught to be sex objects. And it's a, a destruction of childhood, of innocence, of purity, and of a higher way of relating in our human world. And we need to return to the recognition of this as a valuable way of living for at least those people who want to be able to rise to a higher level of consciousness and to function more as healers for the community that is stuck in the trauma of sexuality, because it is a trauma. Many people believe in the ideology that it's just pleasure, but it's not. Most of the things that bring people into psychotherapy are sexual dysfunctions, issues of, of relationships that aren't working, issues of specifically sexual uh, symptom, uh, symptomatologies, but, but everything related to sex that is ca the cause of their suffering and yet they can't let go of it because their identities are based on it and it's the only thing they know, it's their reason for living, it, it's the only context they have to maintain their egos. And yet it's a false basis. And at some point in your life it gives way. You lose your sexual attractiveness, you, you lose the, the virility, you lose whatever, and then what have you got left if that's what you based your ego on? And, and it becomes devastating. And you see this happening now at a younger and younger age. You know, people in their 20s are past it now. And, and what happens then? Life becomes empty and meaningless. So this whole over-sexualization of, of society has created a complete imbalance and a juvenilization. Uh, the poor complex has become the dominant psychological complex. And there is no valuing of the wisdom that comes with aging. And so people are trying to pretend that they're not aging and getting more and more cosmetic surgeries to try to pretend they're still young and sexy. And, uh, and they're not seeing that there's a higher meaning of life than that. And so what is important, I think, is that we present again this option that you should not be obsessively concerned with finding a partner because you may not be able to, to find one who is compatible to you. Today it's more and more impossible to do so. And you should learn that you can live a beautifully fulfilling life without that in your life. And if you know that and you know that you can choose that as an option, you don't have to, but it frees you from the obsessive anxiety over your sexuality and of how you're looking 
and uh, of how other people are desiring you. And people are obsessed with maintaining a certain kind of attractiveness. It doesn't leave any space in your consciousness for the bliss of the presence of God. And that is really what makes life fulfilling, not this other stuff, which is very superficial. So it's a long answer. I hope it helps you. Uh, but the, the truth is even far more subtle and deep than that when we go into the, uh, the actual spiritual reasons and what happens when uh, the mind has become completely purified of the, of the chakra two uh, attachment. And it's very important to know it because it, is, it enables you to heal someone who is stuck at, at the, the core of their identity with this chakra two uh, obsession. And uh, I have found that in therapy, unless you understand how that forms, how, how we get stuck there, and how to release someone from that, that you, you can't successfully help someone to heal and attain fulfillment.